Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, Field Hang 10. Watch out for a new wave of episodes for Forgotten Cinema Season 9, Forgotten Summer. Ugh, really, Butler, a theme season? Let me guess, we're going to talk about films that were released in the coveted summer months that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences. You know it, bro. What we liked about them or maybe didn't, but we'll always recommend people check them out. Maybe they'll find their own Forgotten Summer gem. So check out Forgotten Summer wherever you get your podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hold on, gotta catch this wave. We're sitting at desk in a recording booth. Nights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello there from California. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am your pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. While we vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing will always remain constant. Much to learn, we still have. Indeed. So this season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Today, we're diving into season two, episodes 16, 17, and 18, titled Homecoming, The Honorable Ones, and Shroud of Darkness. Mm. Scary. We have done our best to scramble our signal, and we will be avoiding spoilers, but I will throw in that adult content warning for the younglings. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's hop aboard the ghost and punch it till the fall to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Colleen, open up that first holocron for us. Excellent. We're going to go right into the Journal of the Wills. This is where we go over the plot, the episode synopsis, a little summarizing. To kick off episode 16, Hera and Zeb are transferring cargo while being pursued by a Star Destroyer and TIE Fighters. Unfortunately, Phoenix 2 is hit, attempting to dock with the fleet, but she is lost. Hera then follows the fleet into hyperspace and contacts Commander Sato to inform him of the grievous losses of their pilots and starfighters because they need somewhere safe to land. He suggests stealing an Imperial Quasar Fire Class cruiser carrier. Looks really sweet. I love this. Yes, the thing looks cool. It's really cool. And of course, making contact with the Ryloth rebels. (gasps) Ryloth, you say? That should Mm. sound familiar. Turns out Hera knows the leader, her dad. It's her dad, guys. Sham Sindula. Mm. Gonna talk about him. Yeah. Who she has a tense and a strange relationship with. Yeah, so Cham and oh god, I just I I can't even with Cham most of the time, yeah. you guys. Like no. no. <laughs> and even his other two Twilight Rebels, Numa and Gobi, travel to the ghost. I am actually very impressed that they made it off planet, considering what we know about Ryloth right now. Mm-hmm. Um Hera tells everyone their plan is to get the get the carrier and use it, but Cham wants to straight up destroy it so that the explosion can be seen over all of Ryloth as a show of the Resistance's strength. Dude, chill the fuck out. Zero chill from Cham Sindula. Moreover, he's not really in love with her daughter devoting her entire life to the Rebellion. Mm-mm. And Hera, on, for her part, 
doesn't seem to really trust her father, although Kanan seems very taken with him and is very, very willing to um, cozy up to the father-in-law. His Kanan's great in this, like when so they're good. when they're waiting to meet, like, and he's like, like so twitchy and nervous. This was like the same as always. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone Such crams. Yeah. Everyone crams into a stolen tie bomber, which Hera crashes into the carrier to make it look damaged. Right as Sabine realizes that the Twilight Revels have brought explosives and not like hacking equipment, Chamin's oh, companions. Thermal s- detonators like my mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chamin's companions stun the rebels and proceed with their original plan to blow up the carrier. Hera wakes up chained and Chopper frees her because, you know, Cham was kind of a dick to Chopper and. Chopper just was not there for it. Mm-mm. On the bridge of the Imperial Carrier, the commander sends reinforcements to the hangar bay after losing contact in, with the containment squad. After some fighting breaks out, Ezra uses a Jedi mind trick to force the Imperial commander to order the ship's evacuation, which was great. Oh, it was. Elsewhere, Sabine and Zeb knock out Numa and Gobi, and Hera tries to reason with her father again. Finally, after a rousing speech by Hera about her father, everyone agrees to steal the ship. And a firefight breaks out again with the arrival of an Imperial cruiser. Fortunately, Chopper fixes the ship's hyperdrive and they jump into hyperspace. Following the battle, Cham tells Hera that the theft of the Imperial carrier had rallied rallied the Ryloth rebels like never before. Man, rallied Ryloth (laughs) rebels. What ours. Cham and Hera bond before the ghost crew watch Cham and his Twi'lek companions leave. Good riddance. Mm. Mm. Cham's a doula. Mm. (laughs) All right, so now we are on to episode 17. The ghost crew are flying towards three Imperial construction modules orbiting Geonosis. Hmm. Interesting. While talking about something big that the Empire was building over the planet. It's too Wonder big what to, that could be. Too big to build on the surface, you guys. When Chopper scans for life, none is found, even though it should have been bountiful. Like, yes, there were Geonosian bug people all over the damn place on this planet. Unfortunately, as the team searches for the module's computer, it's a trap. <laughs> Jocking, I know. Stormtroopers and sexy Agent Chaos arrive. Oh my. Meanwhile, the ghost is under attack because, of course, it is. Chopper's efforts in the battle allow all the rebels, except for Zeb, who is too focused on fighting Callus, to flee back to the ghost. But it's okay, because Zeb plans on using an escape pod to jettison from the ship, which Callus sneaks into. Mm. Callus and Zeb fight. Close quarters combat, you guys. Looked really Very. cool. But Zeb is too big for the escape pod for this <laughs> combat, causing the pod's controls to short circuit which causes the pod to veer towards one of Geonosis's moons, not Geonosis itself. The pod crashes into an underground cavern and Callus's leg breaks on impact. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been screaming a lot louder. Oh, yeah. Than yeah. At least he has some military training to like force him to, uh, to absorb the pain. I don't know. So Zeb wakes up and things are very tense between these two boys. <laughs> Moreover, each of them thinks that their people will come to rescue them first. Zeb retrieves the pod's broken transponder as something begins roaring in the depths of the caves. Fortunately, Zeb manages to fix the transponder and modifies it so that it can be its signal can be picked up by anyone who's listening, not just the Imperials. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the ghost crew search for Zeb. 
back on the moon, things are getting very cold very quickly as the heater's power cell freezes. Fortunately, the two discover this like glowing yellow meteorite rock that's giving off some heat. Also, I don't know if it's going to give them cancer, but take what you can get, I guess. Yep. That's another problem for another day. (laughs) Zeb decides to try and climb out of the cave to get the transponder up to the surface where it can broadcast the signal better. Um, He keeps falling. Zeb is just about to start another fight with Kalos until a Banzami arrives and attacks. Eventually, the two manage to drive the beast back. Zeb begins pressing Callus on what he knows and he avoids knowing. When Callus wonders why the Empire would possibly wipe out all of the Geonosians, Zeb tells him, hey, that's a good question. Callus then tells Zeb how to climb out of the cave and Zeb learns how Callus received his bow rifle. A Lassat guardsman gave it to him before dying from their battle. We also learn how Callus's unit was ambushed by a Lassat mercenary working for Saw Gerrera when Callus was younger. Zeb tells Callus that he can't judge all Lassats the same, to which Callan asks if this applies to Imperials. Mm. Zeb says <laughs> it applies to all the Imperials he knows, and like things are like getting a little interesting. Zeb and Callus begin climbing up the cave's pillars. The Bonzami returns with a friend and a fight breaks out with Callus deciding to spare and save Zeb's life. He helps, helps Zeb out of the cave and they head off to find shelter. The two bond more and Zeb activates the transponder. Eventually they fall asleep leaning on each other again. What? Before the ghost <laughs> arrives. Zeb offers Callus to join them, but Callus refuses. When he gets back home with the Empire, Callus places the meteorite Zeb gave him on a shelf, seemingly his one personal possession. That was such a huge contrast. Like, they're, they're two homecomings. Like, Zeb, yeah. everyone is just so happy to see Zeb, and the Imperials, like, barely noticed Callus was gone, if at all. Yeah, they, Constantine's just like, whatever. It just keeps walking. <laughs> He's such a jerk. The meteor is being given off heat in that cave, guys. Crackling lightning surrounding Cain and Ezra, who are dueling the seventh sister and the fifth brother. Ezra and Cain traveled to Osalon, hoping it could be a place for a rebel base. The two escape when Ezra Force calls a Tibidi, little, <laughs> little space manta ray, to their aid. Cain fears that the threat of the Inquisitors will make it hard for the Jedi to help the rebellion establish a base as they can be tracked. When they arrive back at the ghost, Ezra finds Ahsoka in Kanan's cabin, watching a hollow of Anakin Skywalker, explaining some lightsaber techniques. Ezra wonders what happened to him, but Ezra, Ezra, Ahsoka doesn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure you don't, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Don't know for sure. When Kanan confides his fear that the Inquisitors will continue to threaten the rebellion, Ahsoka recounts how Anakin would turn to the wisdom of Jedi like Obi-Wan or Yoda. This gives Kanan the idea to return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, where Kanan and Ezra once spoke to Yoda. God, I, I, I don't know. Wisdom, I don't know if that's what I would call it all the time, but... I mean, I guess Obi-Wan, yes. For the most part. I mean, for the most part. Ahsoka was pretty cranky with Obi-Wan at the end. Ahsoka was cranky with everybody at the end. Mm-hmm. Rightfully yeah. so, don't get me wrong. Yeah, rightfully but... so. <laughs> Especially Mace. Mace. All right, so the three of them travel back to Lothal. 
Ezra and Kanan open the temple, this time a new entrance, deeper down, is what shows up. Once inside, Ezra, Kanan, and Ahsoka begin meditating. Another door opens, but just for Kanan. Inside, Kanan finds a dojo and the Sentinel, a Jedi temple guard who claims that fighting is futile and Ezra will fall to the dark side of the Force. The two will duel over Ezra's fate. The Inquisitors arrive on the Thal and continue to track the three rebels. Ezra finds himself right in front of Yoda face to face because of his growing power, and Kanan and the Sentinel are continuing their duel. Alone, Ahsoka continues to meditate until she hears Anakin vo Anakin's voice, who berates her for being selfish and leaving him. And let's be real, I think the I think the real Anakin would also do this. He was that selfish. In some way. Yeah. 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 In some way he would have made her feel guilty. Uh then Vader arrives and Ahsoka ignites one of her lightsabers before screaming out, No, she must now face Tragic. the truth. Oh, this was terrible. Oh, so sad. I hadn't noticed the tear before that she was yeah. crying. <laughs> she has to face the truth that she's I think deep down known for a little while, Anakin Skywalker has become Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Whew. Well, back to Ezra, who is asking Yoda how to destroy Vader and the Inquisitors. Before the two can finish talking about uh, when Yoda experienced fear, the chamber begins to shake. The enemy has found them. The two Inquisitors use the Force to lift the giant stone to reveal the entrance. Just as Kanan prepares himself for death at the Sentinel's hands, the Sentinel instead performs a knighting ceremony and removes his helmet to reveal the familiar face of the Grand Inquisitor. What? Kanan has, yeah, what? Wild, Literally, wild. What? <laughs> Kanan has just become a Knight of the Jedi Order and the Sentinel orders Kanan to flee while he will delay the Inquisitors. Again, what? what? <laughs> Mysteriously, Yoda tells Ezra to find Malachor before disappearing. The Inquisitors make it inside the temple, but are confronted by the Jedi temple guards. Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka run through the temple catacombs to find an exit. They manage to make it onto the Phantom, and Ezra learns that Malachor is a place, not a person. Back in Lothal, Darth Vader arrives at the Jedi temple and says that the Emperor will be pleased by its discovery. These are so good. These episodes yes. are so good. Mm -hmm. Also, every time we say temple guards, I just think Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, let's not waste any time and move straight onto that second holocron, The Will of the Force, where we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episodes. And to start things off with episode 16, I mean, it just smacks you in the face, growing past your parents. This is Hera and her father, even though she slips into her former tongue, <laughs> she still stands up to her father and really looks at the rebellion in the macro instead of her father in the micro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's incredible. I love it. Yes, and I think if her father were to join the kind of wider rebellion, very, very high chance he becomes more of a Saw Gerrera type than a Hera type. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he's definitely leaning on the side of extremism mm -hmm. towards i mean it kind of makes sense with what's happened to ryloth and what's happened to him yeah and his family and i have a theory that we might see Hera's mother in the bad batch because she does oh. she does die i think around that time 
Wow. So well, that would be here, folks. Mm, that'd mm-hmm. be wild if we saw that happen. Or she had, what if she was connected with Rex somehow? That would be even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Champ's like, why are you helping these clones? She's like, well, I don't know. They seem cool. Yeah. Rex is very handsome. I mean, come on. Just, <laughs> come on. just help Rex out. Everything will be fine. All right, so next we have episode 17, The Honorable Ones. This theme is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I love this episode so much. You I love it. I love when two enemies have to work together. The banter Absolutely. is usually fantastic. They end up learning things about each other that change them in some fundamental way. Love it. 10 out of 10 would watch 1 million times over again. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and then moving into episode 18 we have the idea of divergent paths and choosing the right path now in this episode all three of the light side users must choose their ultimate path forward that is set quite, almost quite literally by the temple itself um, they have to face their fears and ultimately come through that by overcoming and choosing usually the harder yet more just path forward Mm -hmm. good old harry potter right good old harry potter (laughs) and then i also wanted to bring up uh episode 7 18 it's not really a full series long theme but they do both have this idea of the idea of willful ignorance so Mm -hmm. callus is finally directly faced by zeb with what he actually chooses not to ask questions about Nice little right. callback. Nice little callback to Sabine there about how the Empire doesn't like you asking questions, yeah. in order so that he can get some sleep, some sleep at night because he knows that if he had the full knowledge of what was there, he wouldn't be able to live with himself. Right. And Ahsoka is forced to begin confronting what she's been probably in denial over. I don't know how much she knows about Vader at this point. We know that his full identity is still eluding her, but when she felt him back last season and then here she's finally overcoming that denial with what Anakin has become and not taking any blame off of Anakin here but any role that she thinks she might have played in allowing that to happen right which is it's so devastating Mm -hmm. to see her like this and the temple knew just how to get to her like, oh, 100%. Well done, Temple and Yoda, probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing Yoda had a hand in all of these tests that he's putting them through. I don't, I don't think Ooh. Ezra passed. <laughs> well, speaking of which, how we choose to fight is another series theme. What yeah. do you think Yoda meant by this? Ooh. Ooh. I, th- mm-hmm. I think he meant to fight like Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> like Kanan said, I have to realize my limitations and that I can't be in control and have the power in every situation Mm -hmm. and I think that's what Yoda wants Ezra to learn but Ezra he's young and he's part of this huge battle so yeah of course he's going to say we've chosen to fight yeah yeah but how you fight still matters Mm -hmm. like not not going down like that champs and doula route being like no there is a way for us all to come out on top here Mm -hmm. To do what Zeb did just last episode, to not just straight up murder Callus when he's down yeah. with a broken leg, to say, no, we don't kill prisoners. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, 
freaking so. callous thinking zeb would get a fair trial mm. <laughs> really I, you're in the did he ever actually be i don't i don't think he ever actually says fair trial he says at least you'll you get, will a, get trial. a trial you'll get a trial <laughs> and zeb even then is like yeah no i won't you're gonna gun me down the instant they catch me and drain me of all of my knowledge exactly like come on callous you know better than that Mm-mm. Well, let's move on to the next holocron, that third one, where we talk about the galaxy's populace and explore the characters and relationships covered in today's episodes. And to start things off, we're looking at Cham Syndulla, Hera's mm-hmm. father, who was a war hero during the Clone Wars, and he was never an easy person to get along with. Mm-hmm. He is an inspiring leader to his people, the Twi'leks of Ryloth, but his vision of freedom is short-sighted only focused on Ryloth and not the galaxy. Yeah. And even when he, I mean, he was a hero during the Clone Wars, but even then he was a tough can, tough hang. Colleen, I think you've mentioned this on a previous episode. They paired him with Mace Windu for those episodes of Clone Wars. Wow. And it's uh, just not a bunch of guys that you want to hang out with. No. I mean, I don't think anybody else really could have gotten the job done in that scenario, but still... Having to hang out with freaking Mace and Cham for that long was rough. Thank goodness we had Numa and the clones to also hang out with those episodes. <laughs> we'll talk about them later. Um, okay, so next we have Zeb and Callus. One of my favorite episodes. Love it so much, just from their dynamic here. I don't think Zeb from Prelira Sundays would have spared Callus. Mm-hmm. I think it might have taken him maybe a little longer to kill him, but I don't. He might have just left him there and not yeah. tried to save him. That was before he knew his people were still alive and thriving in another part of the galaxy. I think he still would have been too much in his head that this was the person. Because Callus said that he's the one that ordered everybody killed on Lasan, which we learn is not true. He was just trying to piss off Zeb. But still, yeah, I don't think he would have saved him. He's more at peace now, though, with what happened on Lasan. Even though it's still with him, he's been able to move through it. He can't forgive Callus, though, even if his part wasn't as big as he said. But he shows this immense growth by listening to his enemy and even trusting him. He's like, is even this just foolish? a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little tiny bit. <laughs> Throws him like a lawn dart up in the <laughs> I was going to say, he does still have some fun with him. Yes. He's like, I'm going to try something. Cal's like, what? <laughs> I love it. God. And then there's Callus himself, blinded by his faith in the Empire. He hasn't really stopped to think about why the appeasement of Lasan turned into a massacre or why the Geonosians are gone. Like, they were, they were there, now they're not. Okay, sure. Why not? Go, Empire. All right. Um, um, but in this episode, he does start listening to Zeb. Uh, as they start to see the types of things that they've both experienced, the traumas that they've both experienced, and find mm-hmm. just enough common ground to survive this particular this particular event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Callus also learned just how much the Empire really does value him when he returns mm-hmm. to the ship and nobody cares. Cogs in the machine, man. I think it was... I think it's it's not the honorable ones. It's the episode before. Uh, one thing I noticed, again, all the other Imperial officers we see, they tend to have their hats completely down covering their face. So even if they're not stormtroopers, yeah. 
they are still basically faceless and interchangeable. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas we saw Zeb's friends risk absolutely everything to stay near Geonosis and wait until they could find some sign that he was out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or Callus was like, oh, they left. Like they left you. Mm -hmm. No, that's your people. They left. Yeah, we don't don't do that. (laughs) They would at least make sure that I was... If I was dead, they would try and find me. Mm-hmm. And then we have Kanan. Kanan is knighted in Aww. episode 18. Finally, he's technically been a Padawan this whole time, guys. Great stuff. <laughs> or an apprentice, I guess. Is so, this officially, is this uh, like, if that temple guard, knighting. if this is a, like a temple guard that's basically like a manifestation of Kanan's own insecurities, is this him basically like knighting himself? No, it's Yoda. I it was in Rebels Recon. They explain that this is Yoda. It is Yoda knight, okay. knighting Kanan through the vision because he's a jerk. <laughs> well, he was like, busy oh talking no. to Ezra. Like Yoda can't manifest himself in multiple places at once. Yeah. He's like, Jason Isaacs, come over here and do some voice work for us. We need to do another test. As if Kanan hasn't been tested enough. Ugh, but that's right. GI Quiz, Grand Inquisitor was a Jedi Temple Guard recruited by Palpatine after Order 66. It was an interesting choice to have him be the one to test Kanan and to find him worthy of knighthood, even if Yoda was behind the curtain the whole time. Then he pulled off holding back the other Inquisitors. Like, can you imagine being the fifth brother and seventh sister and being like, oh my God. (laughs) That'd be wild. Master, you're back. Oh no. He's not going to help us here. I also, I love the folding lightsabers. That's a cool yes. concept. Yes. I don't know staffs. how practical, I don't know how practical that is when they are folded, but still really cool. It looked, it looked like nunchucks, kind of how people hold their nunchucks, mm-hmm. the way he was holding it. But all of the temple guards just coming out with their staffs. It was crazy. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I do love that Kanan showed that he knew he had to let Ezra make his own decisions. And he came to peace with that. He has faith in his teaching now. He's like, okay, I've done what I can. And hopefully Ezra can take what I've given him and turn into a good Jedi. We hope so too, Kanan. As Luke learned in the original trilogy, sometimes it's choosing not to fight. That's the best course of action. And Kanan chooses that here. And we love him for it. He gets knighted, you guys. It's also something to remember that Kanan never fully completed his own Jedi training. Mm. Still bad one. Sorry, sorry, my dude. Fairly recent one at that when Order 66 happened. He hadn't been with Jeb a lot with that long. He's still just a wee baby. So his fears over being able to properly train Ezra are very justified. Mm-mm. Our poor baby. And speaking of training, let's look at Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship. Ahsoka says that the last time she saw Anakin right before he went to rescue the Chancellor in Revenge of the Sith, and we eventually saw that in Clone Wars Season 7. Mm-hmm. In Shroud of Darkness, we got to see Ahsoka dealing with the guilt and grief of leaving the Jedi Order during the Clone Wars. She still sees him as this bright, shining star. But lurking in the back of her mind is that Vader is most likely her old master. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka also gets to see Yoda once more, which must have been startling and cleansing. He didn't behave well during her trial in the Clone Wars, yet she seems to have forgiven him. She's come a long way. She has. She's grown up so much. 
And she spoke really reverently of him still. Mm. Which I was like, dang, he voted against you, I'm pretty sure, girl, but okay. He did always have some wisdom for her. Yes. All right, well, before we move into our next holocron, we'd like to take a moment to tell you about this week's sponsor, Baxter Blue. Are you experiencing digital eye strain from staring at your screens all the time and exposing yourself to just way too much blue light? Baxter Blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter out 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. I mean, this past year, we have all been glued to our screens just way, way too much. Uh, Pretty soon into the pandemic, I was getting headaches from just staring at my screens all day, every day, from laptop to phone to TV, and then just doing it all again the next day. I got myself some blue light glasses and started feeling a lot better pretty much within a couple of days. Now I just, I don't log into work without them. Uh, Especially over this past year, our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also determined to be a force for good and provides a free pair of reading glasses to someone in need for every pair that they sell. This is eyewear built for our digital age and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep or kids glasses. Just click the links on our show notes or the uh, description on this video for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters and we know you will feel the difference. And we'd also like to tell you about our new partnership with Fiverr. Do you need a freelancer to help with your website? Either a designer or maybe you need someone to help write expert articles and blogs or an expert presentation designer to help you with that big work project? Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. You can find designers, programmers, and more within seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off. Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers by yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the show notes to get started. Please note, Bohemian Geek Studies is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link. These commissions help support the growth of Bohemian Geek Studies, and we appreciate your continued support. Awesome. And with that, let's move on to the fourth holocron, Binding the Galaxy Together, where we explore the homages and Easter eggs of today's episodes. Colleen, get us started. Yes. Who are those Twi'leks? Oh, my. Numa should be familiar to Clone Wars viewers. She was last seen in the season one Battle of Ryloth arc as a small girl who befriends two clone troopers, Waxer and Foil, and she is so cute, you guys. So, so cute. She calls them brothers, and it's adorable. She's actually wearing old clone armor on one arm in this episode of Rebels that has Boyle's name written on it in Arabesh. In the Clone Wars, Waxer's helmet featured a drawing of Numa as well. So they were like adorable and connected. And it's so, so, so cute. Oh, the Clone Wars, they destroy us every time. And then we have Gobi. He was also present during the Battle of Ryloth arc and is included in the canon novel, Lords of the Sith. Ah. Next up, we've got the Khazar Fire-class cruiser carrier. Uh, it made its first appearance in these episodes, made by the Celeste-based company, yeah. uh, Sorosub Corporation. Celeste was first mentioned by Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi and is where Neen 
noob hails from what is yes new noob he's, he's the, great. Uh, yeah that's the uh co-pilot for lando during the battle of endor in the mm-hmm. falcon uh, we just talked about him i think on our uh bad batch coverage oh so, yeah yep got you that great Daniel. got that great laugh yeah <laughs> yes that laugh <laughs> When they finally like win, and he's like, ah, it's like, I love it. The Celestians yeah. are interesting people. They are very interesting. Uh, who I might not think is that interesting is Champ Sandula, but he does talk about his highest achievement, the Battle of Lasu, where he and Mace Windu, through sheer force of positive personality, overcame seemingly impossible odds to liberate Ryloth during the Clone Wars. This battle became known in song and stories as the Hammer of Ryloth, which is also a title given to Cham that mm-hmm. I'm going to say that he claimed for himself. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I'm not a fan, people. Uh, uh, this is That's one of the main reasons I probably didn't like the Lords of the Sith book is he's one of the POV characters. And I was like, no, please, please, no. Let's get back to Palpatine and Vader, please. <laughs> When that's happening, it's like, mm, sorry, Sham. We love your daughter. So Sham actually has tattoos on his Leku, which were probably really painful, you guys. They are full of a crap ton of nerve endings. Mm. Like this is, they're very sensitive. Like the Leku, if one gets cut off, it is possible that the Twi'lek dies. There's just so many blood vessels, nerve endings, mm. so much in their Leku that it's very dangerous if one gets injured. Harris Leku markings, though, aren't tattoos. Those are natural. What the hell happened on Geonosis? Well, that destroyed orbital statement was building something, and it was too large to be built on the planet. Wonder what those guys were up to. And all of the Geonosians are gone. Hmm. Hmm. No more gladiatorial fights, I guess. I wonder if we'll see them again. Or beyond Geonosis again. We don't know. We don't know. This, I love this trope, you guys. The stuck together in a room on a deserted island or a desolate moon trope. We'll never get old, especially when it's two enemies together. Although Star Trek Next Generation did a great one with Picard. Yeah. And a guy that he could not understand. And they had to learn each other's (laughs) language in order to defeat an enemy together. Fantastic. Never gets old. Closest one we've come so far to a a bottle episode, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say so. And it gives Zeb so much chance to shine. The episode was directly inspired by the movie, The Defiant Ones, starring Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis, about two prisoners who are chained together and need to work together to try and escape. (laughs) It's a great movie. So good. I love the banter. I'm here for all of the enemies to enemies to friends (laughs) to friends banter. (laughs) And while they're there, so Zeb and Callus don't actually land on Geonosis, but one of its moons, Baren, uh, the creatures they encounter are known as Bonzami, these mm-hmm. reptilian predators that are covered in white fur that protects them from the cold climate. Their name and design were inspired by Zambonis, the machines that like clean up ice rinks in the middle of hockey games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bonzami instead of Zamboni. Yep. <laughs> Switch the letters around. <laughs> I love the naming concepts for some of the creatures. On Star Absolutely. Wars. Absolutely. Oh, creatures. We're not oh. characters. Let's talk about Sifo-Dyas. <laughs> oh, mm. that was a great typo, guys. I'm glad they did that. Sifo-Dyas is much more interesting to have a kind of Jedi that went off the deep end. 
than to have it once again be Palpatine. Like, I'm just glad that they decided to keep that typo. Uh, next, we have another tough hang, Saw Guerrera. Mm. Our favorite radicalist has been busy indeed. When Callus is describing his history with the Lasat, he tells a story about surviving an attack by insurgents on Onderon, one of whom was a particularly lethal Lasat mercenary working for Saw Guerrera. Do we think this is true? Or is it lies? Deception? <laughs> I think it's true. I think Callus is being very honest about this. Everything he said, he believes. Or at least he believes it's In Shroud of Darkness, we get to hear a lot of familiar voices. Matt Lanter and James Earl Jones return as Anakin and Darth Vader respectively. So cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jason Isaacs is back as the Grand Inquisitor, the Jedi edition. And that's Frank Oz's voice for Yoda. Mm -hmm. And yes, the creatures who love the Phantom from season one are back <laughs> Yeah, too. they loved it. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Great job, Ezra, thanking the creatures for helping you. Very, very nice. And then lastly, we find out in this episode that the Grand Inquisitor was in fact a Temple Guard, and he's got that sweet double-bladed lightsaber staff. Again, these <laughs> things look so cool. And like most of the Temple Guards, the blade is yellow, which we finally got to see in live action several years later with Rey lighting hers up at the end of the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. And now everyone, we're heading into our fifth holocron, the newbie from Naboo. This is Flo's first time watching Rebels, so we've tasked her with watching the episodes and giving us her questions and her takes. So let's find out what our ambassador for Naboo thought about today's episodes. And she's actually in the room across from me right now. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, actually, I got to watch these episodes with Colleen because she's at my house right now. I am. <laughs> jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> this is a very exciting time for BGS. Um, oh anyway, God. so we had a lovely time mm -hmm. um, watching the episodes last night and eating birthday cake because it was just Colleen's yes. birthday. Yay. Happy birthday. It was so sweet. I had no idea it was happening. I was very shocked. <laughs> it was so fun. All right, so let me tell you what I thought about these. And Colleen has not read these notes and I did not share my thoughts with her at all. So mm -hmm. she is as in the dark as the rest of you. Okay, um, so obviously we head to Ryloth, which like mm -hmm. I had known, like I had pieced together was like Hera's people. This note here just says her dad's forehead looks like ball sacks. So that's <laughs> pretty much how I feel about him. I with you on that. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy for real. Yeah. I did think it was super cute that Kanan like really wanted to impress the dad. Here, oh, yeah. like I didn't know his name yet, so I called him Mr. Hera. <laughs> yes. So I was just That's like fine. obsessed with Kanan in this one. He was just so cute. Like, what a little dork. Um, okay, so then I wrote that her dad needs a dentist and that he's a really tough hang. All of those, very true. I don't know who's going to fight me on those. No, okay, no. I did have a question. No. Like, do the people of Ryloth just, like, age differently? Because he looks super young. They're all supposedly very beautiful. Like, even with the weird forehead and the teeth. Like, that's the male Okay, Ryloth. well, he's not my type. But, like, he looks like he's, like, I don't know, 35 max. Yeah, I don't know... I don't know if it's ever like confirmed or anything, but yeah, I don't think we've ever seen in so any like, part of Star Wars, like like an old wrinkly Ryloth. Twilight. Except yeah. for the Man. one senator guy who's mm. really. 
Yeah, but he's like seriously obese. <laughs> yeah, that, that is also true. Really Maybe is. there's a, like incredible skincare regimens. Like it's right. incredible. For the toilet That's what royalty the gets you. That's true. Yeah, right? That's very right? true. Um, I did love Ezra like reassuring Hera that like nothing's more important than family. That was so mm-hmm. sweet. Oh my God, that was so cute. The Hera accent change was very weird to me. I was like, mm-hmm. this makes me feel weird. And I don't know what just happened and I don't like it. Like, I understand why they did it, but it like, it made me feel like they didn't give me enough backstory on it that I felt like they didn't get the right voice actor for one section. I I can agree with you on that. It threw, it threw me through a little bit of a loop. I'd I'd forgotten that they did that. And on this rewatch. It sounded like really bad fake French accent. Yes. And like, I was just like, this is offensive to my people. So well, it's <laughs> funny because the free Ryloff movement is based on French resistance during World War II. Oh, well, there you go. If nice. you are interested nice. in seeing, if you are interested in watching like scenes where they do that very well, actually check out The Expanse and some okay. of the stuff with Naomi Nagata and her All like right. slipping into the accent of a belter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. I was not into Cham, whatever his name is, Sham, Cham, 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 whatever. <laughs> Coming for Chopper, I was like, you better not. My yes, dear. I like, had that note too. <laughs> get the hell away from Chopper. Do not say a word about him. I liked it when she stood up to him. Kanan at some points was just like being way too much of a suck up and I was like done with him. Um, <laughs> trying to impress the dad. <laughs> trying to decide how much I can actually swear on the podcast because I was very sweary in my notes this week. And I showed Cham, you ultimate c-word. <laughs> that was the part where he shot at them. I was really into that, especially because like I didn't realize they were set to stun or whatever, and I was just like, they just shot everybody. Like, what just happened? Yeah. So that was crazy. Um, every time that Numa came on the screen, I just thought of Numa Numae, that like ozone <laughs> That song. amazing dance craze. <laughs> amazing, amazing music. Um, okay. I loved Kanan force propulsing Ezra through the like doors. Yeah. That was crazy cool. Love, love, love that. I loved Ezra's Jedi mind trick. Ridiculous. So cute. Love him. This is um, the captain. <laughs> Yeah. And he was like so colloquial. It's like, how did nobody pick up on this? <laughs> They're all like, bye. Yeah, that was so funny. And then this note just says, and this is my last note for this episode, just says Kanan is super hot in this one. Damn, all caps underline. <laughs> I don't know why he was so hot in this one. I was really, really into him. Anyway. Trying so. to be a good boyfriend. I know yeah. he I, I think just like the sweetness of it and like him having to like meet the in-laws kind of was just like really endearing in a way that like yeah. we haven't seen Kanan mm-hmm. or Star Wars like, or Star Wars yeah I mean except True. for apparently that deleted scene I still haven't watched where Anakin meets Padme's parents how could you Colleen how you have you to you're there watching. rectify this well, we're watching it tonight <laughs> yeah we can watch it. you know tonight. what Colleen let's just watch all of Attack of the Clones tonight just to be sure <laughs> double feature Attack of the Clones solo we're good I can act it out as a pantomime if you'd like I can't wait. Evan and I'll be like, it'll be great. It's gonna be fabulous. Okay, let's move to episode 17, the honorable ones. First, I was super excited because they were like Geonosis, and I'm like, Geonosis? Okay. Let's I saw go. your face. I was like, what? oh my god, I was so excited about Geonosis because obviously 
the arena scene on Geonosis is my favorite scene of all of Star Wars. So I was like super here for it. Um, I love how Zeb called that it was a trap. I'm turning my note page because I took a lot of notes. Okay. We all know that I think that Agent Callus is super hot. We <laughs> Obviously. Have, we, we know But you're this. conflicted about this. He is hot. This episode, he was the toughest hang I've ever seen in my whole <laughs> life. Also, I wrote, why does his helmet look like a pasta strainer? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> like, what? Who came up with that design? I don't know. I was super, super nervous about Zeb and Callus together for so long. So like the entire yeah. time I was just like, oh God, like something horrible is going to happen here. It was horrible. Um, the fight in the escape pod was redonkulous. Like there's no space and Zeb is humongous. So um, that was crazy. I loved Ezra saying, don't be a Sleemo. And I'm going to start calling people Sleemos now. So I'm just letting you guys know in text, Perfect. I'll be calling you Sleemos. <laughs> I have to say like, while I respect his decision, I don't understand why Zeb wouldn't just kill Callus. This was like my big thing. It was just like, this doesn't make sense. Like this guy has killed or like been involved in the killing of countless people, including your own people. Like take him out, my dude. At what point? The whole time. <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. The entire oh, time. Like, I mean, especially like in the very beginning, it's just like, kill him now. Like he has, he literally keeps trying to kill you. He keeps trying yeah. to crawl to different weapons and kill you just so it's like him. no stop <laughs> i i like honestly like i am not into killing people and like i'm a pretty big pacifist but like at some point it's just like are you in a war or are you not Flo's, this is flo's line in the sand this, this is, is my line. she's drawing my yeah. line is yes. when i end up in an ice cave where there are potential ice spiders slash additional <laughs> monsters just kill them like one less thing to worry about that's mm -hmm. it. So I was annoyed by that. I think um, also, pre Lyrasan Zeb probably would have killed him. That's true. Okay. So you think that changed him that much? At least it pushed him in a different direction, I think. It like okay. calmed him enough that not enough of, that like enough of his people have survived. Yeah. Plus it's... he's like, well, Kels' leg is broken, so it's not a very honorable thing to kill him. I mean, yeah, he was think... very live and let live like to the point of extremism like that was, I, it was I just think, ridiculous it, it is a little ridiculous but yeah i think the the whole excursion with lyris on like reminded zeb of the honor he used to have as a member of the honor guard mm -hmm. and kind of put him back in yeah. touch with that that you don't you don't start another fight with someone when their leg is broken you let well, them stand up and face you that's fine, but like the guy literally crawled to a gun to yeah. shoot him. Yeah. yeah. At that point, just be like, enough. Like, yeah. that's enough. Like, I, I get it if he had yeah. just been like, oh, I'm injured. Oh, I'm just going to sit here and like bemoan my fate. But it's like, no, he's actively trying to kill you. Anyways, he I was just annoyed. He's a warrior. He can't. And Callus <laughs> was just the toughest hang. Like, honestly, I would have shot him at that point, like, enemy or not enemy. <laughs> like, he doesn't I, I matter how hot he is too bad these so two notes this one says callous unhelpful just making threats and the next one says callous fucking chill such a debbie downer like so annoying um i did well, write, Flo, if he was stuck with you would, would he be in a better mood oh definitely i mean i'm not letting <laughs> a broken leg stop me anders he doesn't need his freaking leg 
third oh leg, God. maybe, but not another line in the sand is drawn. <laughs> yeah, we would have done other stuff in that escape pod than fight. That's all I'm saying. Um, I did write, Zeb, you are an angel, and I take back everything I ever said that was mean about you. So <laughs> very sweet. Also, Zeb was definitely the audience when he told Callus, Will you just shut up? <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> Thank you. Please, if you could. Okay. My biggest disappointment with this episode, when we saw the creature come out, I first thought, and Colleen is privy to this, I first thought it was the pincher spider thing from the Geonosis Arena scene because like the coloring was right. The like, in we first saw the face at like a really weird angle where it looked like it could have been. And I was just like, oh my God, what an incredible throwback to one of the three creatures from the Geonosis Arena scene. Like this is the greatest day of my life. And then it wasn't. And I think that was such a missed opportunity. I was quite upset by it. Anyways. Um, I, I don't, I think that that would just, I'm, I'm going to get, like sciencey here for a second. I know this is Star Wars and science is not exactly like our strongest relationship here. Yeah, I think the that softest science. I, I don't think that would make sense at all because that thing is Why? like effectively some kind of like crustacean, right? It's some kind of like crab. It's got that exoskeleton, sure. like yeah. whatever. So which would make it likely cold blooded, which living on that <laughs> would just not make sense. What do you think this thing was? You don't think this thing had an exoskeleton? I don't think that this thing was like a crab lobster type creature. No. He's covered in fur, supposedly, yeah. according to Wikipedia. I'm sorry. <laughs> Raise your hand if you saw fur on this thing. It's Elephants like, have I fur. Down, down there was fur. no fur. This, Elephants this have no fur. fur. They do yeah. have fur. This guy Fair. looked like Elephants a dung, and he like a dung beetle head. Yeah. Dung beetle head. No, He's like rept- half reptile, half mammal. It's kind of like the Tauntauns, where it's like they got. But their fur is like luxurious fur. Yeah, a tauntaun yes. has fur. Mm-hmm. This, the, the no. Anders, shut up. <laughs> it's Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I can't help it. <laughs> Y'all need to stop. Just let me have this. Let me have one nice thing in this fucking ice cave, please. It would have been fun to see that creature. It would have been great. It would have like, been, okay, fine. Like, fine. Okay, free. Anders, how about this? How about don't give me the spider one. Give me the weird cat one then. If you want to mm. fight about it. Sure, but then we can't climb out on it. Like the weird. What do you mean? Ones. Why can't I climb out on it? Because it's too small. You don't know how small it is. Maybe that Are was you a kidding baby me? Do you one remember? that Padme jumped Nexus on. could have been big. That was a baby big one. Could have been the Give bull me a creature. Grown one. Could have been the bull guy. But yeah, let's compromise with the let's bull, with the bull rhino guy. All right, fine. <laughs> I can I can deal with that. That's fine. Um, I did feel sad for Callus. I'm going to the end of the episode now. When he like gets back to the empire and they're like, I don't care so about you. And then like he goes back to his bunk and he just like sits on it. And it's just like, this is very sad. But I do mm-hmm. love how now he's got that like salt lamp looking meteorite thing. He's very Gen Z with his salt lamp. <laughs> yep. Great, great work, Callis. Love it. Um, okay. And then we get to the part where I can not believe that you guys did not give me one fucking clue of what I would be getting in episode 18. <laughs> <laughs> I could not even believe you guys. No, okay. No. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. First, we see Ezra and Kanan doing amazing partner stunts. They would be incredible cheerleaders. Like, they really just, like, vibe off each other. Mm-hmm. Like, man, they would be great. Um, <laughs> loved Kanan talking to the Inquisitor sister one and just goes, I don't go for crazy anymore. It's like, 
okay. But you know I, he did. But I need to hear all he the stories, my dude. I must hear all of them. Um, loved the space manta rays again. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get the like little holocron thing, the like little hologram <laughs> thing movie of the hottest man I've ever seen in my life. Even in this Nade, animation. Love it. Oh my god. The hair was amazing. The face is amazing. Immediately the voice came on and I was just like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. It was so great to see Anakin again. I was just like so so happy. Um, then we head back to the temple on Lothal. I was like, okay, first of all, we have to talk about Yoda. Mm. Like we we must talk about Yoda. What 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 Please? what? Yeah. What? Mm. what? Did you see him? <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. Yes. I, yeah. I, want, I want to confirm that this is the what you're talking about and not anything with like his a story or whatever. Face. But oh I, my God. I feel like <laughs> this is the Yoda that would happen if somebody made a cake of him on that Netflix show, nailed it, and then melted it. Like what was what was what his it was nose? Scary. It was I honestly, weird. I don't know what was the worst part. I think the nose was the worst part, but the teeth were really weird. The head's the wrong shape. It's yeah. it's right. like too perfectly circular. It's circular. so weird. It was weird. I couldn't. His hair's all like off. It's previous Yoda. Tree Yoda. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. I, I d- yeah. That... It would. You are it not would... alone. Okay, Let's I'm just sure pretend. Let's just pretend that it was Ezra's powers not fully developed so he could like see Yoda, but like not completely entirely. Mm-hmm. Because okay. before he couldn't see him at all. You know what I mean? That's that's what we can tell ourselves. So maybe he's like coming into focus. Right. But he's right. not quite there yet. Right, 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 right. I would like, rather go back to not being able to see him. He was Agreed. even like too tall. Yeah. It was just gross. It's honestly, like oddly like, stretched. Well, especially it after was... Clone Wars, Yoda is really cute. Yeah, like, he does in look the good Clone in Clone Wars. Wars. He's super, super cute. And then you get this, and you're like, they stretched him out and then somehow also squished him. I I couldn't. I was very upset. But okay, so then I was also upset by this. Like, so. Kanan goes into that room with the temple guards, right? We find out one of them is the Grand Inquisitor, which, Mm -hmm. okay, he didn't come back the way that I thought he would, but that's fine. He's still back. So I still win. Thank you. Just put that down in my my tallies of one. Um, But they're like, you know, like your, not Padawan, but like your apprentice, whatever. It has like a strong pull to the dark side. Mm -hmm. And it's like, How? I don't feel like we've seen really any dark side from Ezra. We've seen a little, we've seen him get angry. Like we, we saw him get angry that one time. We know that yeah. he, we know that he has some very strong bonds already with the ghost crew. Like he started training very late, which track record's not so, not so great on that. Now, part of that is due to the training itself, but. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to scare Kanan too. Very true. And he was we know trying Kanan, to get a reaction. We also know that Kanan's extremely insecure about his ability to train Ezra. He's been dealing with that for a while now. Maybe. So did it have nothing to do with Ezra then? They were just trying to get to Kanan? Little A, no little comment. B. Because like, I just, 
you know, like obviously like we've seen Anakin's pull to the dark side and it was Mm -hmm. obvious. Like even as a little kid, it was like kind of there. Like he was kind of like sneaky and like doing things for like kind of selfish reasons or whatever. Like even as a little boy, not, you know, obviously he wanted to free his mom and that was like huge. But then like obviously in Attack of the Clones, he kills an entire village the men, the women, the children, the dogs. I mean, when we meet Ezra, he's a pickpocket. Yeah, but that was Stealing. to survive. <laughs> he's that was to survive. Him. I feel like he's that's not a dark him. side thing. Like, this kid is alone on the streets. Like, you can't be light side when you're alone on the streets at 14 no. or whatever. No, no definitely. So, dark, yeah, the darkest but, we've seen him was with the Fearnox. 100%. But that, that yeah. was a long Fearnox. time ago. And then there was, it was just with a few Callus. episodes ago, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there was that one with Callus where Kanan had to like shut the door on him. I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like any of those were like, oh God, he's going to turn to the dark side. We better like run now. It's like, I saw it with Anakin. Obviously, like we knew where Anakin was headed, period. But mm-hmm. like, it was pretty obvious. Like it, it was it was true it has thus far been very subtle yes very subtle and so i was like what are you talking about like he's a sweet boy who's like he just reassured Hera in like two episodes ago Mm -hmm. and like was like zeb come on buddy like we missed you like it's cold out here i'm freezing my nuts off or whatever and it's just like this this is the kid that you're worried about like okay it just it it didn't track for me as much as i think they wanted it to so okay. I was confused about that. I did really like that he got one-on-one time with disgusting ass Yoda, but <laughs> at, at least I think that was nice for him. Yeah. yeah. I did think Anakin was like really tough on Ahsoka. Now, I don't, Colleen filled me in a tiny bit last night about the Ahsoka, what happened with her leaving the Jedi. But like, obviously I don't have all of those episodes, but I was like, Anakin, chill axe, my dude. Like, you fucked up big time. So, like, I don't think you can do stones, my guy. <laughs> yeah, so just, like, left Anakin's just slaughtering and, yeah. and like, gaslights Ahsoka. <laughs> no, bro, relax. So that was just crazy. Um, I think on that front, though, I think that, that it, just like you were just saying with Kanan, that it probably has more to do with Kanan's feeling. That's more Ahsoka's, like, yeah. survivor's guilt yeah. than it is right. actual truth. That's fair. It's just hard to hear it from Anakin's voice. Yeah, so and hard. I think it was hard for us to hear it from, like, from uh, for us to hear it from his voice, too, because it was just like, dude, did you know yourself at all? Like, chill out. Um... I was, so first of all, I don't know anything about Malachor. No idea what's going on with that. So it just says Malachor question mark in my notes. I figure I'm going to find out later. I thought the Temple Guards killed the Inquisitors. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It seemed that way. Mm -hmm. I was just like, wait, what just happened? So that was pretty wild. I loved the Yoda and Ahsoka like, hey, hi, (laughs) good to see ya. (laughs) And then of course, like seeing Vader come into the Jedi Temple was really, really crazy and um i don't know it was really cool i i really liked all of these episodes for different reasons um i thought it was like a really good run like really exciting um yeah loved it two thumbs up colleen saw i was not on my phone no i was eating it was plugged in for like most of it and you're like i don't really need my phone (laughs) yeah it was good I, i took tons of notes and it was great it was so fun to get to watch it with colleen that was really really special so yay oh that's great 
Well, now that we've got that under our belts, let's head on to our sixth holocron conjecture at the cantina, where we ask our questions about the episode and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. Colleen, why don't you kick us off? Of course. So what do Dave Filoni and crew have to say about these episodes? Well, Flo already brought it up, the question we all want answered. Why the heck did Hera start speaking in another accent when confronting her father? So story group's Pablo Hidalgo said that when she left home, she left everything behind her and forged a new identity, which included working on her accent. She's more like newscaster appropriate accent now. You just can Mm. talk to anybody from anywhere. But when she's thrown together with her father, it brings her back to her childhood and she slips into her original Ryloth Twilight accent. Mm. I just feel like maybe there should have been a line in there where her dad was like, you even sound different. Like you've given up your identity. That would be good. Yeah. Like that. I feel like I just needed something because I was just Mm. like, was the voice actress sick on that day and they had to get a fill in or. It's very jarring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. She did a good job. I mean, that's definitely the Twilight accent, but to just like randomly She's, I think she slipped into it pretty well too, listening to it, but without any sort of context, you're kind of like, what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. All right. On my side, I wanted to take a minute to actually talk about the Jedi temple. Um, I have been really intrigued by these things. It, I think it was the last full rewatch I did of Rebels. And I've been really interested in this temple and what I think it kind of symbolizes about the Jedi themselves, their connection with the Force and the light side. So this is the second time we've visited this temple on the Thal. And so let's just take a minute to talk about it. Uh, starting with how you actually get inside. It does take a master and apprentice working in harmony with each other. They have to be working together to get it to open. So kind of symbolizing that relationship. And you're also kind of asking it to open, right? Kanan has that whole new question, new new door. So you're putting your faith in the force that it's going to show you the proper path. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are also letting the force do the work as opposed to later when the inquisitors actually like force it open, it actually like causes the entire thing to collapse. Yeah. Uh, In one of my favorite legends series, uh, it's the young adult, even probably younger adult uh, Galaxy of Fear. It's a short series that I read in middle school. There's a young force sensitive girl who's learning to use her powers for the first time. And she mentions in all of her research that it's not so much a matter of making the force do something. It's a matter of letting the force do Mm. something. And that is absolutely how you kind of get into this temple. Mm -hmm. And even when you're inside, Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka have to just straight up put their trust in the force that each one of them will be shown the right path to take. Um, And the way this temple is constructed, it's using an existing structure it seems to be taking advantage of kind of the natural formations and tunnels on the planet and the cave system itself um, to kind of double down and solidify this connection in the natural force that Lothal seems to have. Um, We've seen it with the Lothcats kind of as well, their natural inclination to kind of trust Ezra. And then lastly, what the temple is supposedly for. This temple offers knowledge. That's why they're going. They're going there to ask questions. They're going there for what they hope is concrete intel. 
but ultimately the answers that they get are these kind of deeper truths about themselves. Here, all three of the light side users have to face some pretty deep truths about themselves, mm -hmm. right? Kanan has to deal with his very hard insecurities about Ezra. Ahsoka has to deal with her guilt over Anakin and her somewhat willful ignorance about mm -hmm. who Darth Vader is. And Ezra has to kind of start to reconcile these two halves of himself, the, the budding Jedi and the budding soldier who wants to fight, who wants to protect people without slipping into that, that desire for vengeance mm -hmm. that ultimately is what caused Anakin's downfall. Yep. I mean, mostly Ezra has to deal with that Muppet that we saw. <laughs> that wasn't even a Muppet. No, that's, that, that's not even a Muppet. It was like a decomposing pumpkin on a stick <laughs> that's what it was it was real bad guys it's just it's like, I'm lying. <laughs> no you're not you're not lying. well i have a question related to the jedi temple do you think that ahsoka really couldn't have helped lift the rock on the fall or was she just doing what she normally does and defers when the topic of being a jedi comes up I think she wanted to let Kanan and Ezra do it just because they're student and teacher. So you think she impose. could have lifted it I without it breaking? Helped. Yeah, I think she could have helped. She's a, a force user who's on at least the light side. I think she could have done it. Yeah, although I think it also, it might come down to what she, at least in her mind, thinks of as like respecting the traditions. Mm -hmm. or right. whatnot like it, she might just be insecure she might just not know if it will open for her because she's not fully open to the dogmatic teachings of the jedi mm -hmm. yep 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 yeah would you well, have let her in <laughs> he certainly said goodbye to her on the way out yeah he's like hey <laughs> how's it going girl well, my next question is, how was the Inquisitor a Jedi Temple guard? Like, what the deuce? Mm -hmm. So we do know, obviously, all the Inquisitors are Force-sensitive. Mm -hmm. So it would, and obviously at this point, they are all straight-up adults. So just based on timelines, the idea that one of them, at least one of them, used to be a Jedi could, could make sense. Right, that they were somehow involved with the Jedi Order or force knew that they were force sensitive before it all. Um, the Read story is the uh, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith comics for Inquisitor info. There's also that, and there's also some in the uh, the game Jedi Fallen Order, um, based on mm -hmm. the story in that where we have the second sister uh, and several other Inquisitors, and they make mention of trying to capture Jedi post Order 66 and taking to the place where they make Inquisitors. Mm -hmm. huh. So some of this kind of post Order 66 turning, read, torturing them into using the dark side and kind of giving in and becoming Palpatine's servants. Mm -hmm. We also know during Dark Disciple, Quinlan Voss temporarily breaks bad and becomes a dark side user as kind of a servant of Dooku. Yeah, but the temple guards are like good guys, no? Most of them. Grand Inquisitor really wanted to get into the library and Joe Castanu would not let him. Ah. That is the main freaking reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all want a good book. There's also... Yeah, he was I'm... actually there at Ahsoka's trial. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I'm pretty sure 
I can't remember what book it was in, but there's a line that always sticks out in my mind that either in Attack of the Clones or in Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith, the novel. I know every line of Attack of the Clones, so you could just tell the me. book. Oh. I defer. <laughs> there's You'll a like it. there's like a there's a narration line. I I think it's in Revenge of the Sith or something, but it there's a mention of like more and more Jedi have kind of left the order after being mm-hmm. disillusioned, similar to what we saw with Ahsoka. Um, they didn't necessarily go through a sham a sham trial, but you know, Dooku was the twenty first Jedi, right? Twenty one, twenty two. The last ever twenty one. Yeah. The last twenty one to ever actually like voluntarily lead the order, and I think during the Clone Wars there were several more. Hmm. Our dude Pankrell. <laughs> God, ugh, Pankrell. Uh, one of the Zabrak guys left too. He was on the council originally. And he left with another Jedi. And they had a, yeah. Mm. That's another sad story. Yay. Mm. Read the comics. <laughs> Everything is fine. Order 66. Yay. Well, that wraps up our conjecture at the cantina. Um, we will be taking a week off from our Rebels coverage for the Memorial uh, Day holiday next week, but tune in for our Bad Batch coverage and come back next time as Chopper makes a friend and searches for some grade A insect repellent as we discuss season two, episodes 19 and 20. Until then, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes. Enjoy Colleen's Book Corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. You can also head to theforgottenentertainment.com to check out all of the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family, including yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with co-host Daniel and some special guests you may recognize, are examining the films in Star Wars canon. Until next time, Saber staffs up and keep those episodes streaming. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.